Let's pray together. Dear God, on this beautiful morning, we give you thanks once again for coming to our world in Jesus, to show us who you are, how much you love us, and that nothing can separate us from that love. And we thank you for the way that Jesus didn't come with, to us with ten things to believe, but all he said was, and in the midst of our questions and our doubts, come follow me. So help us this morning, by the power of your spirit, each of us to take that next step of faith. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I tend to think in word pictures and images. And because of that, as I was reading our stories today, the image that came to me was this image of people in motion, moving, migrating. We have the first story of Abraham and Sarah moving from the land of Ur, all the way to faraway Canaan. And we have this image of Nicodemus moving toward Jesus and toward the presence of God. This brought to mind uh, another experience that I had of movement uh, this past month when I went up to the Middle Creek uh, Nature Preserve. And many of you, I know, we all sort of got some mojo going, and one of us posted, another one went, and many of us ended up going to see that astonishing sight of tens of thousands of snow geese on their great migration northward. Well, when I arrived there, I felt some initial disappointment because the whole reservoir lake was completely empty of bird life. And then all of a sudden there was this huge cacophony of sound in the distance. And all of a sudden as one you could see tens of thousands of birds lifting up and then flying directly toward us. And all of a sudden the dome of the heaven was filled with birds and there was deafening roar. And I'm not exaggerating, it was a deafening roar of flapping wings and honking birds as they headed toward the lake. And in that moment, as they were flying overhead, I had this thought. What if this is a little vision, a little glimpse of our own human family's great migration home to God? What if that's just a little glimpse of what we are all doing together? In our first story today about Abraham and Sarah, we're going way, way back in history. 3,000 years. And we find in this story God beginning to create a people. 
A people who will bear God's loving character and and walk in God's loving ways of justice and hospitality and Sabbath rest and compassion toward the most vulnerable. God calls Israel's first family to leave behind all that is safe and secure in the land of Ur, which is in Iraq today, and to make a 700-mile journey to the land of Canaan in what is Israel-Palestine. Now, this story is not only about changing geography, which it is, but it is also about changing the orientation of Abraham and Sarah's innermost being. This risky trek requires these 70-year-olds, did you notice that detail? 70-year-olds to embrace newness. To go where they've never been before. And to leave behind old familiar markings and reference points. To put their trust completely in God and the kindness of strangers. And notice the pattern here. It's so important. A pattern that we see in this story and throughout the Bible. How God chooses a very particular people. Sarah and Abraham, the twelve disciples, the church, to be a blessing to the larger human family. This is very important. God singles out a particular group, not for privilege or superiority or to live in walled-off exclusion, but for them to be a sign of God's saving intention for the whole. So God chooses one family, Sarah and Abraham, to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Or as Jesus later puts it, to be salt and light and yeast to the whole. Bob Petersheim pastor at Conestoga Mennonite Church tells me that this mission of being a blessing to their neighbors is the yardstick by which they measure all of their big, important church decisions together. They always ask when they are facing a new decision, does this, whatever we're looking at, help us to be a blessing to our neighbors. You know, it's also a wonderful question for each of our households to be asking as well when we're making big decisions. Does this decision help us to move toward our neighbors and toward God in new and loving ways? In our second story, a religious leader named Nicodemus comes seeking Jesus by night. Those two words are so crucial, by night. He doesn't come by day, 
the other religious leaders come by day to trap him, to test him, but Nicodemus comes by night, and he feels to me like a seeker, like someone who still hasn't found what he's looking for. And he brings to Jesus all of his questions and doubts and uncertainties. And friends, so can we. And after Jesus invites him in, you can almost imagine Nicodemus clearing his throat, nervously tugging on his beard, and saying, "Uh, Rabbi, we, we, we know you're a teacher from God because... You keep on doing all this stuff that can't be done apart from the presence of God. You see, Jesus has a kind of impact on people. When we're with Jesus, we sense the presence of God. And then Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can see God's reign. No one can see reality at its depths without being born from above, without a profound transformation from God. You see, God isn't in the behavior regulation business, God is in the human transformation business. And this begins with a new birth, a total spiritual reboot. It comes when we completely surrender our lives to God. We say, I'm totally yours. And we give our consent to the transformation that can only come from God. And the wonderful things, dear friend, or the wonderful thing, dear friends, is that this birth doesn't just happen once, but I believe it's a rebirth that happens again and again and again. Maybe it will happen for you this morning. The Christian life is a transformative path. So let's just pause for a moment now, just for a little silence with God. Dear God, we give ourselves to you. We desire this transformation that only you can bring. Help us to be born from above, here today for the first time, or maybe for the hundredth time. Amen. In our story, Jesus then shares some of the Bible's best-known words, John 3.16. 
followed by some of the Bible's most neglected words, John 3.17. And I believe in this In these words, Jesus is seeking to heal some of Nicodemus' most distorted images of God. These images that we all have sometimes of a condemning and terrifying God who's out to get us. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, For God so loves the world. Not just loves but so loves the world. This over-the-top love is the reason for the sending of Jesus and His entering so completely into every part of human reality. All of our pain, all of our suffering, Jesus experiences. And all of this transformation begins, it says in John 3.16, when we begin to believe in Jesus. And friends, this doesn't just mean mental agreement in our heads or cognitive acceptance. It means reorienting our whole lives toward Jesus. It means letting His ways become our ways. His mind, our mind. His love, our love. His anger, our anger. His prayer, our prayer. And best of all, His joy. His deep, overflowing joy to become our joy. It means following Him everywhere He goes. And wherever he takes us. And he takes us to some places, doesn't he? Let me end by getting a little personal here. One of my greatest joys as being one of your pastors is having these conversations we I'm able to have each week with each of you when we sit together in coffee shops or go out to a park for a walk. And underneath and between and amidst all of these conversations, the question that I'm always wanting to ask is how can we orient our lives, you and me, our church, our families, our households, how can we orient our lives more fully toward Jesus? More fully Godward. And my prayer for this beloved church is that we might become a community more and more clearly centered in and oriented toward Jesus. Where we're learning how to read the Bible through Jesus. Where we're learning how to read our lives, sometimes messy lives, 
through Jesus. Where we're learning how to read our troubled world, and it's all so troubled right now, isn't it? We read it through Jesus. There is so much in this world that we are completely unsure and uncertain about. But let us be sure and certain about the one who is our center. The one who is our central orientation. Jesus. And as we follow Jesus... He's leading us on this great winged migration with our share of honking and flapping of wings. (laughs) He's leading us home, home to God. And even amidst all of our doubts, all of my questions, all of your uncertainties, Jesus is still leading us home, 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 home to God. Amen.